what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. U.S. health advisors want you to know your health coverage does not have to be complicated. If you aren't happy with your insurance plan, there are unlimited and comprehensive medical plan options available to you right now. U.S. health advisors offer solutions which can't be found anywhere else. They can even offer you the ability to purchase more coverage if and when you need it. U.S. Health Advisors offers fair rates and no surprises. Sounds nice, doesn't it? If you'd like to know more, contact U.S. Health Advisors at 828-554-3032 or by email at daniel.bryant at ushadvisors.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at the beautiful Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. We are on the Mesh Podcast Network with our show. Please reach out. Let us know what you think about the show and and also listen to some of the other great shows that the Mesh Podcast has available. It's a great opportunity to advertise and get your business out there and very inexpensively if you're Interested in information about advertising here, uh, send us uh, an email at info at themesh.tv or go to themesh.tv slash advertise for more information. Follow us on all the typical podcast platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many others. Of course, we're joined every show by one of my uh, guest and certainly today one of my favorite people on the planet. I uh, got a gentleman who is, I think, one of the brightest minds in our industry as a golf instructor. Uh, he's very uh, well-rounded as an individual too, and, and certainly one of the guys you like to sit and chat with for uh, a long time. I'm very excited to have him with me today, Sean Kennedy. Welcome to the show, man. Alan, uh, uh, pleasure to be on the show with you. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. Well, it's, it's my honor, my friend. I tell you, I've been very fortunate to meet some folks in the industry, and and you uh, you set the bar very high for for our industry, my friend. You are a, a gentleman. You're a very intelligent guy, and just incredibly, incredibly skilled at what you do. Now, you are the director of instruction for the Cliff Properties. Uh, you have a very large role up there with keeping the golf instruction top notch at at all of those properties. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing up there and uh, let's get into a great conversation today, my friend. All right. Um, Yeah, no, I am. I'm just really lucky. The cliffs, seven different communities kind of stretched out across the Blue Ridge Basin. We go from Lake Kiwi in the upstate of South Carolina to just outside of Asheville in Arden, North Carolina. In this beautiful little valley that overlooks the Blue Ridge Parkway, and that that course is called uh, Walnut Cove. Glassy was the original one, uh, constructed back in 1993. It sits on top of a little mountain designed by Tom Jackson, who still lives in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, the second one was the Valley Course, and it opened in 1996, and it was designed by Ben Wright. Uh, yeah. I'll say it was the, uh, it was kind of the antithesis of glassy. Have you played both these courses? You know, are you familiar with them? I have not played any okay. of the properties up there. I've been up there, as you know, I, I well, was invited I'm, to come, but I've not I'm a been, bad friend been able to play. Never inviting you. Well, no, that's, it's just, uh, that, we're both busy. <laughs> we're both busy. <laughs> and, I understand. And then, uh, on down the road, uh, the first course of the lake was built, uh, 
Kiwi Vineyards, and it just has a collection of holes that are, I mean, it's just unbelievable. You like walk on the, you know, it's not Pebble Beach or anything, but right. you know, there's some, some awe-inspiring beauty along the lakefront with the mountains, the Western North Carolina mountains in the background, looking overlooking Lake Kiwi. It's like amazing. And there's two other courses at the lake, Kiwi Springs and Kiwi Falls. Falls is a, another Nicholas course and the Springs is another Fazio course. Wow. And then after that, the, the next one um, on the map or the final one is the Cliffs at Mountain Park. And that's the facility that I kind of like, you get to walk through the cabin. I was sitting on the back porch okay. earlier and uh, it was designed by Gary player and it's really unique. It sits on this floodplain and they did a wonderful job of shaping a very lynx looking terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have zoysia grass on top of the, that shaping that they did. So, you know, it can play firm and fast when, the conditions are appropriate and uh, the greens are large, subtly sloped. It's a, it's a unique experience for golf in the upstate of South Carolina for sure. So yeah, I'm lucky. And you know, I get to work with seven great head professionals and I also get to work with, you know, their assistants. So I have, uh, I have a lot of staff I get to train, which is fun. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a big slice of heaven up there, my friend, in, in the mountains of North Carolina and South Carolina, where you are. And um, they couldn't have selected a better guy to kind of run things up there for their instruction program. I know you are a consummate pro at at teaching, but also, you know, you're you're you and I are like minded in that we constantly stay on the course of learning. Uh, you and I have been together many times at different learning functions. Uh, you know, seminars and always open ear and open mind to learn. And uh, I've been very fortunate to be around you and learn from you. And uh, why don't you share for our listeners some of the things that you do with your golfers up there? I know you're very capable of uh, identifying players' movement abilities uh, and helping them with their movements. I know that's one of your areas of expertise. Share with us, if you will, what you might run through in a typical lesson to help one of your golfers with their movement. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a majority of my clientele, you know, they're seeking retirement or, you know, may already be retired. And, uh, you know, we teach a, a game of movement and sometimes our bodies over the course of our careers, sitting in chairs and humching over computers and looking at our devices, maybe have immobilized some of our joints or maybe our muscles had atrophied a little bit in those areas and they can't move those joints around as well as they used to. So, uh, you know, I, am not TPI certified. Uh, I went through this program through the gray Institute, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Gary Gray and Dave Tiberio. Um, it's similar, same-ish kind of stuff. You know, they right. help you kind of identify where a player's strengths and weaknesses are with their motion and stability. Sure. Um, in the Gray Institute, the most stability was kind of like the catchphrase that that they gave us. So, you know, I try to screen everybody. Uh, I designed a little dynamic warm up that kind of is my screening instrument. So I'm, you know, faking them out. I'm telling, no, I'm just warming you up for our lesson. This is really all I'm doing, but it's actually right. my little physical <laughs> screen. 
That's, that's very smart. And I think with uh, not just the senior adults and, and so forth that you deal with, but it's happening more and more even in the younger ages, you know, the, the way the body is, uh, is kind of stifled uh, throughout the day. For a lot of folks, as you mentioned, we're sitting at a desk. You and I are sitting down right now, you know, and yeah, look, looking the at worst. a screen. And, Sitting's uh, the worst. Yeah. Just makes it difficult for folks to get up and move, and they want to perform like a tour player. You know, they see the guys out there on television moving their bodies and making these incredible golf swings, and they want to do that. So it's it's difficult, isn't it, to get those players that don't move at all for 40, well, 40 hours a week. That's that's, <laughs> what, that's what I pull out my Alan Burton wisdom, and you know, I, I talk about the the gap that yeah. you so yeah. eloquently defined. Yeah, it's that frustration gap, isn't it? You know, you get yeah. the expectations yeah, no. right. That's, but you're yeah. able to do it, man. You, you're able to get your players moving. And I see your videos on social media with your players that you're helping. And uh, it's fascinating to watch. And I tell you, our listeners need to understand this is a time of year where a lot of those movement patterns can be improved uh, going into the winter months. They might not get to play. Tell us what we could be doing indoors that might help us as golfers to get those things moving and improve those, those movement patterns. Well, and, that, and that's such a great point. Uh, I tell all my players, um, you know, to the, the newest one, to the highest skilled ones, that if you really want to change a movement pattern that you're making, yeah, don't – I actually would rather have them do it in the gym. We can design mm-hmm. or I can use uh, – we have a really talented physio here. His name's Vance Farino. Um, so Vance and I work a lot together, especially when we have the more serious client who's – like they've really taken an interest in to their improvement and they're just kind of all about the process. I'm going to do whatever they can. Right. Our favorite kind of students right Alan. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so usually I, I usually turn it over to a, him, the expert, but yeah, I mean, you made such a great point. There's no doubt about it. If you want to change your pattern, the best place to do it is in the gym and uh, you know, nobody can see me, but you know, there's a, a bunch of different lunge patterns with rotations and arm swings, uh, you know, type ones and type twos motions, just to kind of help a player sequence athletically. I don't, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the proper terminology, but it's, it's wonderful to watch somebody do a little, like say you give them a lunge pattern, maybe even they're doing it with their golf club or maybe you have a med ball on hand or something, or maybe just kind of letting their arms swing freely and then you hand them back their stick and they kind of have the light bulb goes off. They're like, Oh wow. Like, yeah, I was trying not to mm-hmm. move this or keep my knee this way or whatever. And you're just saying, yeah, no, go ahead and right. let it rip. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cause it's so often the concept that they have in their head about what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And you have to kind of go down their mental rabbit hole a little bit to figure out where their thoughts are as they're making a golf swing. And so often they're restricting something and they should be allowing that something to just move, you know, and it's, it's interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, great point. Like, yeah. Understanding what their idea is, is a really great place to start. There's oh yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing hear... and how are you trying to do it? Yeah, exactly. The typical, well, I'm trying to keep my head down. Well, you are, <laughs> we don't want you to do that. You know, well, I'm trying to keep my right leg, my trail leg. I'm trying to keep it from straightening out. Well, you are, and we don't want you to do that. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah, helping yeah, golfers exactly. understand yeah. what they should be doing 
uh, and uh, it's, it's so often the issue. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, if, if you can get good concepts going, it's, uh, it's amazing how fast the change can happen. Um, you know, obviously guys like Adam Young and whatnot have kind of defined that pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like your intent and what you're paying attention to is it's kind of a big deal. Oh, I could not agree more. I think that's where we are with, with players on the lesson T. They've read so much uh, in, in all the golf publications. I won't mention any by name because they're all great, and I read them all because I want to know what my players and my students are reading and yeah, di- digesting. what information they have. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to go down the rabbit hole they're going down just so I can say, well, this doesn't apply to you. As good as this information is, this applies to player A and your player B. You know, it's just it's not applicable to you. And so you got to kind of – you got to digest that information for them and understand what they're consuming. And uh, oftentimes they're just, they're just eating everything. You know, they're taking every pill, <laughs> laying out on the medicine counter, and it's not going to help them. So uh, that's what well, I Well, and yeah, the, <clears throat> that, that, that pill culture, right, is like, well, mm-hmm. I have this ache and pain. Well, you know, you could do this and kind of get rid of that ache and pain mm-hmm. for like a long term. Yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass and it's going right. to take some effort. And you're going to have to kind of pay attention to what you're doing, mm-hmm. or you can take a pill for it and just kind of continue on. Well, exactly, and just kind of mask it for the moment, so to speak, with a couple of pills. And uh, we'd yeah. like to correct well, I mean, it. The, <laughs> right. We're talking about golf swings, but I mean, you'd think culturally where we're kind of working towards. You know, when I watch TV, there's a lot of commercials for drugs. Right. Lots of side effects along with all those drugs, too. And you started seeing it in our culture with the drugstores popping up on three of the four corners of every intersection. You know, you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Something's going on here. Uh, There's a lot of those there's around. And, you know, certainly there are things where medicine can help. And uh, I I take a few pills myself, but uh, I'm trying my best to get off of all the pills and do, do the right things physically to help limit that for sure as we should with our golfers we want to give them more than a pill we want to give them a, a cure if we can so we're helping golfers and every every golfer that comes on our lesson tee is not going to be helped and that's unfortunate but you know like you said the golfers that really buy into the process of getting better they have to understand that there's going to be some effort time energy spent on their part you know to get the results that they're after so uh Tell us some of the things you do to motivate. I know there's a lot of a lot of players you work with, and that's simply it, isn't it? It's just motivation and trying to keep them on the right track. Give us some of your words of wisdom for motivation. What is it you do? Uh, uh, speaking of motivation, there's a book that uh, – The Motivation Game. Have uh-huh. you heard of it? I have not, no. Okay. See, I know so I've always this, learned something from I you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, it's, well, it's just funny, the synergy of the question that just kind of yeah. cracked me up a little bit. And I just kind of like started that book, but it's uh, Dr. Mike Grevel- Grevelos okay. uh, is the guy's name. And well, maybe he's a neurologist. I, I don't even remember actually what he's a doctor of, so I apologize. Yeah. But anyway, um, he's uh, talking about like something that and I'm just going to call it like, okay, well, at least I'm getting in the ballpark of how to kind of keep a player in the process, mm-hmm. focused on the process and, and that kind of thing. And it's very important to their learning, even their motor learning. 
which was kind of interesting, as he pointed out, was pointed out in the early stages of the book. And uh, so it's that finding that goal for that player Mm -hmm. is kind of how I do it. It's, you know, through questions, uh, a lot of my students get annoyed because they'll ask me a question and I'll ask them a question back. I don't (laughs) really answer their questions sometimes. And uh, but through like the right kind of questioning, you can kind of find that goal for that player. So they'll stay on task. Sure. And then when we're giving feedback, it's just on the task that we're doing. So if the task is super technical, say move your right arm this way, that's all we're judging. Mm-hmm. And we maybe do that for, you know, a five ball thing. Sure. And then we might pick more of a skill-based task. You know, hey, we're going to put a, a tee in front of your ball. And I want you to be able to sweep the tee with your club head after you strike the ball. Sure. Something like that. So maybe do that for five balls. And uh, I just kind of switch up the task, um, treating everybody kind of like a, a child. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose interest, get frustrated. So let's move on to something different and have a different goal. But mm-hmm. keep it aligned with the framework of improving you know, their strike. Mm-hmm. Something. I think that's golden, uh, what you just shared with the coaches listening out there, is that your ability to uh, move a player around a lot throughout a, an ex- instructional experience to keep them motivated and keep them aware that, hey, it's a process to improve something and there could be an internal focus uh, on what their body mechanics are doing or there could be an external focus on what they're doing with the golf club to achieve the, the result and you're not always using the golf ball as your master. Uh, I think that was a phrase I took from uh, something I read a while back and, and certainly where you're, you're not just using the golf ball's flight as a way to judge whether you executed your, your task correctly or not. Yes. Does right. that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. And, uh, I've, so I've, that's kind of the way I, I like to organize my work. You know, there's, uh, I think Andrew Rice said it a long time ago. There's some technique, there's some skill, and then there's just, okay, well kind of wind everything up. Just like, Hey, look, we're going to hit golf shots. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter the skill set of the player. Right. Um, I use, uh, uh, Tony Regario, he's got his poor man track man. My setup's very similar. I use a rope and a stick, and you know, so the reference to target line's always there for the player. And we're gonna start a shot to the right of the stick, start sure. a shot to the left of the stick. Right. Yeah, it's uh, just to get some club face awareness. Sometimes that's a simple drill that you could use. I I call that the Goldilocks drill. We're gonna play to the right of the stick, and we're gonna play to the left, and then. Right down the middle, as Goldilocks would say, this is just right. You know, whatever we're trying to do, there's always that Goldilocks relationship, too far to the right, too far to the left, or just right in the middle. So we're always trying to move players and, and inspire them and motivate them. And I just think it's fascinating the different ways coaches do that, and you're one of the best in the business at that because I know it's it's a challenge to keep our players motivated and on, and on task and, and engaged. Um, I think that's another word I use a lot in the lesson, how engaged is the player in that process of learning and taking ownership of what, what we're trying to get them to do or trying to get them to understand or trying to get them to learn so they can be a better golfer on the course when they're playing. And uh, it's not always about hitting better shots on the driving range, is it? You know, it's, Well, it, it depends on, you know, what where you are with that, you know, obviously with that particular student. 
Um, but like you were saying, that engagement or the quality, right, mm-hmm. of the mindset, if you will, is it's 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 just a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what your actual intent is, you know, how you're paying attention to it, and then what kind of feedback you're getting on what you are trying to do. I, the The feedback picture, the feedback loop, um, is something that I, I definitely can improve on. Um, I, I started kind of using, if it's, if it is, we'll say a technical thing, I got, I got these short flight golf balls now and I'll just pull them out of my bag and pop them down there on the ground for the player. And it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to hit these balls right. and you're going to do this and we're going to video it. And then we're going to sit and talk about how you did it and then your experiences of it. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to take that idea that you formed by trying to do that and you know put a real ball there you know see what happens so the the short flight ball helps alleviate their tendency to just focus on what the ball's doing and get them focused yeah, the more on what softer, you want them to do yeah yeah everything's they, they different can, uh, with the ball flight yeah that's fantastic yeah, fantastic i use the word maybe fling too much sometimes in my <laughs> my teaching and teaching a speed, but yeah, they can, they can really fling it and hit through something and sure. And not, not be anticipating steering, uh, manipulating. Sure. Whatever words you want to give it. I mean, you teach putting, so I know you see steering and manipulating. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Way too often. <laughs> yep. It's a pretty common common uh, thing you see with golfers they, they there's a lot of those though you know there's not just the steering of of the direction there's the wanting to lift the ball when they're hitting a full shot trying to lift it in the air and and hitting at the ball versus through the ball i mean i think that was a percy boomer concept back in yeah, his book yeah, you know percy, swing, yeah. swing through and and not to the golf ball so yeah you're right the human well, mind does a lot Romatowski, of that. Uh, you know, his Mach 3 speed training has become, we'll say, definitely one of these ways to mm-hmm. get a player to swing faster and speed out front right. is like part of their mantra. Yeah, and that's a that's that's a great mantra. Well, I agree My, with it. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you ask a player specifically, where do you want the club head speed? to be the greatest if you're trying to hit a, a full shot and you get the most distance out of it. And most often they say, I want it to to have the most club head speed at impact. And that's an interesting thing. And you and I both know that scientifically the club is going to slow down when it collides with the golf ball. And it's not yeah, possible uh, to have maximum acceleration at impact. <laughs> I think they've even proven that even before impact. Right. There's some slowing right, down. Right. So, well, so they can kind of let it go out and around them, right? Isn't oh, yeah. what they're doing? Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's interesting what you think is happening and then what's actually happening are very seldom the same thing. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your feel versus real? Where do you stand in that argument there, sir? Well, I think that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think every day the human feel changes. I know my ring fits differently from day to day, so I know my hand size is definitely changing. And and I just think that's part of the human anatomy. We change. Our cellular structure is replacing itself constantly. And it's impossible for me as a human being to to be the same today as I was, 
yesterday, and, and I'm not going to be the same tomorrow. You know, I go to the doctor, and he weighs me. I weigh different amounts every time I go, and I'm up, I'm down. I'm fortunately a lot more down lately than I am up, so that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, your, your human body fluctuates, and so your feel as a result of that I think is going to change, especially since you're just your hand size uh, changes. And that's what we're using in golf to connect ourselves to the club. So we have to feel the club through through those hands and the appendage that we connect ourselves uh, to the club with is, is very uh, uh, instrumental in transferring those feels. So I think you're basically, as a golfer, uh, you're going to have to calibrate your feel on a day-to-day basis and, and on a shot-to-shot basis. You're always calibrating your feel. Um, and trying to get it as close to real as possible, but I think oftentimes your feel is, is just not going to be real. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, uh, well, I, obviously, if 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 I'm getting somebody to experience a different pattern in their movement, i you know, we usually identify what they're doing, and then I ask them to show me, okay, well, what is the opposite? Oh, What's 180 man, degrees fantastic. on the opposite side of the spectrum? What does that look like to you? And can you do that? Can you move that way? And you move in the opposite way you're currently moving. Yeah. So that's usually kind of where I start them. Um, I had a great teacher one time explain to me, he's like, if you want to find the peak, just find the valley on each side. And then you can kind of usually back your way into the peak a lot faster mm-hmm. than like trying to get to the peak right from the get go. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that that is a great, great thought process for a coach helping a player change their pattern. Uh, you know, I heard it said by, I believe it was Butch Harmon or Hank Haney or somebody famous, but they were a very intelligent uh, coach. And they said that you you have to ask a player for a mile of change if you're looking for an inch. And uh, that's often true, you know, with players. You, you ask them to change, and they're not going to change very much unless you ask for a whole lot of change. So that asking for the opposite is that exact thing. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and their concept of it, I, I feel, is important to us as coaches is like, okay, well, this is right. This is this movement. What is their version of the opposite of it? And, you know, does it match up to your version of the opposite? Right. Their interpretation is more important than ours <laughs> when we're helping yeah, a player. Like Brian Manziel has been posting these, uh, like, I don't know how much time you spend on Twitter. You doing the off season. I spend too much time on it, Yeah, but, uh, he's been posting these great little like meme like things on Twitter. And it's like, there's three things that happen in a golf lesson. There's what you tell your student to do. There's yep. what your student understands, right. what you're telling them. And then there's what they actually do. Fantastic. With- yeah. That's so, true though, isn't it? It's so uh, true. Yeah. yeah. No. I and mean, he, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of little good ones and that's definitely one of those good ones. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. I know spring is is uh, coming around the corner here, uh, but we got to get there first. So through the winter months, we got our golfers. We don't get to spend as much time on the lesson tee with them. We want them to do some stuff indoors. Uh, what are some things that you would specifically suggest they do? And even if it's, you know, look at a website or look up on the internet, some exercises, some stretches, what's a good source for your students to, to get their body movement moving correctly and, and improving that movement pattern over the winter. What do you like them to do? Well, you know, I, fitness to me is fitness. Um, I, I think you'd want to start kind of get evaluated to figure out where your core strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you can find somebody that's TPI certified, 
around you, that's probably good because they have a nice screening system and right. It's uh, easy for you, the player to understand. There's some things in the screen. I, I don't understand, but that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not that, that smart, but it, and so that, that way you can, right. You can kind of figure out of the components that they've designed, which are all fantastic. You know, your feet and ankles need to be able to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Your pelvic region needs to be able to do stuff. Uh, the disassociation between your pelvis and your thorax, right? That's something mm -hmm. that's kind of important. Sure. Uh, shoulder mobility, thoracic and cervical mobility. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of stuff. And they, they do a great job of kind of helping identify where you can improve. I, I don't know if that makes you a better golfer, but if you're a better mover, mm -hmm. you know, functionality, you're probably going to be faster. Yep. But again, faster, you know, with a bad face to path relationship. I don't, is that good? Who knows? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and then, you know, if, you, if you're working with uh, your swing coach and you have the luxury of an indoor place to work on something, you know, find that, that one thing. But yeah, I would find somebody who's capable of helping evaluate where you currently are mm -hmm. in your functional movement ability and let them help you just be more functional. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a really good good advice. As you mentioned, fitness is fitness. And if they're doing something in the fitness category, they're going to see some improvement in their, their physical ability. It's not going to hurt their golf. It's going to only help. And, and like you said, speed with an improper face-to-path relationship is not going to necessarily help them unless they like looking for golf balls. But um, <laughs> you have to... You have to understand that, that body movements are going to uh, really certainly improve things when it comes to swinging a golf club and, and being more consistent, as you mentioned, having speed, being stable, and playing without injury is, is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big the Injury deal. avoidance is probably – that's the biggest thing that I'm – with my clientele here, Yeah, you know, that I'm working on. Uh, you know, Tommy Tolles, he told me – he's like, yeah, kind of when I started working with Vance – you know, the travel and stuff, like I'm not as fatigued and, you know, worn out. It's so yeah. there you go. I mean, like you said, he's like, I don't, I don't know if I play better golf because of it, but the, yeah, the, this being healthier, being more mobile, stronger, more stable is just, you know, helped him with the travel stress and everything. Well, I think our seniors that are out there playing, they probably, for the most part, when they get to hole 13 or 14, they're, they're fatigued. They don't realize it, but they're fatigued, and they're probably dehydrated, and they're probably not nourishing themselves properly throughout the round. And so much of these things are not related to their golf swing. You know, it's just their physical ability and their mental ability to stay focused and execute through a round of golf. So these are big things, and they're – you know, yeah, your swing is okay. It's not, it could improve, but it's are you drinking enough water? Are you snacking on the yeah. right things? Are you how did you sleep the night before? Sure, right? yeah, checking yeah. a few of the boxes that they've never considered that are having an impact on their performance when they go well, play an eighteen hole round. Those of are golf. somewhat, yeah, those are somewhat controllable. Those are fantastic points yeah. for sure, and and that kind of you know circles back to what we were talking about for the motivation bit. And you were talking about the engagement bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough to be engaged when you're dehydrated, undernourished, 
and sleep deprived. Well, all, all those three things, I've been there. <laughs> I think everybody's played around <laughs> the golf where you say, man, I lost, I just, my wheels fell off on the back nine. You know, I, I turned in 37 and then the wheels fell off. And, you know, you wonder, the did wall. they just forget what to do or was it their body just collapsing due to, you know, improper uh, hydration or nutrition or rest? I mean, my dad is a perfect uh perfect dad, uh, number one, but he had so many great pieces of advice growing up. And one of his things was, if you, son, if you want to play your best, you need to get your rest. And it was a simple thing. And he would rhyme it, you know, as a kid, I would think, oh my gosh, what is he talking about? He doesn't know anything, you know, right? But now you realize, man, that was a perfect, perfect statement. And uh, it's so true. You got to get some rest, play well, stay focused and stay engaged. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's so important, the sleep thing. Well, Something I was never very good at. No, I think all of us, you know, didn't really appreciate the value of, you know, a good solid eight to ten hours of sleep. I know I do these days. I really enjoy sleep, but I, I don't get enough <laughs> of it. But I, I get I get my share, so <clears throat> it definitely helps me in my day. Um, you know, another thing that you and I have in common is our love of music, and I didn't think this conversation would get away with not at least expressing some of that and, and talking a little bit about music and our love of guitars. Golf and guitars. Golf, golf guitars. And guitars. Yep, golf guitars. And when I was much younger and wasn't married, I used to say it was the three G's that kept me motivated, golf, guitars, and girls. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so always had that going, but... Uh, I've kind of weeded it down to just the two G's now, golf and, and get, I mean, guitar. So, uh, you know, you and I both have a love of music. Tell us a little bit about your, your music background. I know you played in bands and, and wrote music and traveled and did some of that in your early years, and I know you still play some. Tell us a little bit about what's, what's been your musical past. Well, and, you know, so we're so similar in age. You know, in the 80s, there were some cultural choices for young people to make you had hair metal glam rock yeah you had kind of like the new wave synthesizer music coming out flock seagulls uh howard jones duran duran yeah that kind of thing going on yeah and and then this uh two other cultural phenomenons were starting to happen hip-hop was starting to burgeon and the hardcore punk rock scene in suburbia, at least in my life, was like exploding. Right. Like there were bands forming all over the place. And punk rock was very attractive because musically, you really didn't have to be very good. <laughs> you just turn your amp up, get some, you know, pedals and whatnot, and, you know, learn some basic chords and go. Yeah. If you're passionate, that's kind of all that mattered. I mean, you didn't have to very sing very good. Uh, it was hard on your vocals, I think, to be a punk rock singer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you didn't have to be musically that good. But then there's bands, uh, punk rock bands like the Minutemen, uh, that, like, musically you're like, oh, my gosh. Right. I, did, I did rock and roll and injustice by thinking that I was a rock and roller. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing yeah but uh yeah so that was uh, punk rock and hip-hop were i just kind of went that way you know yeah. uh i rode a skateboard to school that kind of thing or you know if when i learned to drive i always had 
in my trunk, my golf clubs and my skateboard. Those were just two things okay. that were always around. And that part of the eighties culture being a suburban white kid, um, and not being like really good at football or what other sports attracted girls, you know, the three G's. Right. But playing in a band was something that had kind of like a kitsch. You're like, Oh yeah, sure. that guy, he, he plays in that band. I went to college on a golf scholarship in Charleston, the college of Charleston, go Cougars. Yay. And, uh, met some friends in some classes that, you know, like-minded kind of, uh, we'll say musically, maybe not as like-minded, but kind of sitting together playing records and CDs, which nobody does anymore. But yeah, we were actually, you know, kind of sit, hang out, drink tequila and listen to, you know, each other's albums and CDs. And like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And we just started playing together. Yeah. And we didn't have a drummer. So we had this guy, his name's Smith Riley. He's a dentist now in Somerville, South Carolina. Uh, he ran keyboards and was like a computer whiz. So in those days it was MIDI. Right. And he basically got like an 808 drum machine and hooked it up to his computer and he ran all of our drum tracks. <laughs> so we were, you know, that was our, that was our band. Uh, I played bass and guitar and we had another guitarist, Gordon Luke, who's a veterinarian. He's a vet. He's a vet in, I think, yeah, I think he's in Charleston. I think he's maybe in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Yeah. So we're all back in South Carolina. Uh, maybe we should all get back together. And, yeah, absolutely. And That's what we're pulling for is a reunion. Get you guys <laughs> back together for a show. That would be fantastic, man. You know, I think but, it's uh, interesting that you talk about these things, and, and they, it re- kind of mirrors so many of my own experiences as a young musician. And you're right. It was such a draw at that time uh you're young you're looking to impress your friends and the members of the, of the opposite gender in whatever way possible and get their attention and music was a way uh to to achieve that pretty easily for me and I know for you you mentioned how that was also a similar similar thought process and is so organically how things like that come together. You find like-minded people, and next thing you know, you're making music together. You know, and it's it's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah, you just kind of stu- you just kind of stumbled into it, right? So yeah. you know, obviously, one guy's a dentist and one guy's a vet. You know, so we were all science nerds, and that's you know, we met. I think I think we met in a chemistry class, like organic chemistry or something like that. Maybe it was biochem, but anyway, like that's wow. where we met, and uh, <laughs> you know, started hanging out and talking about music and 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 things like that. And then, you know, the next thing you know, um, Smith's father had this farm in Holly Hill, South Carolina, which is, I don't know, 40 miles North of Charleston. Okay. And we went to his farm, got our rigs out and hooked it all up. And like, he started messing with all the pedals and like, he actually like built and like reconfigured pedal. I mean, that's how smart oh, this guy yeah. was electronically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He'd like, Oh yeah, well we're going to put this wire here and do this and make it sound like that. Wow. So circuitry genius kind of a thing. Wow. And I had a violin too. I still had an old violin and, uh, you know, got a pickup hooked to it and put, you know, hooked up a wah pedal that he kind of <laughs> manipulated to it. So yeah, we were just having, we were having a blast. That's groundbreaking, man. You got you had any recordings of you guys? And we need uh, to listen to some uh, of that. I still have like two cassettes yep. that we did on uh, four track. Okay. 
Yeah. We need to get some of that music out there for our listeners to hear, you know, maybe there's a way <laughs> to get it out there. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like dirty, noisy. Sure. Authentic. Uh, but, but it's rhythmic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will Al- say authentic yeah. and, and I'm sure very, very interesting. So I, I would love to hear some of that, man. That's something we got to dig down uh, and pull out. It's funny because if if I would you know I think the last time I listened to it it's like how obvious our influences are when you hear like our original you know yeah yeah songs you're like well the, yeah those songs aren't very original at all they're super derivative of our sure. influences well that's the way all music is and you know it's interesting the tie-in from that is that that's the way our golf instruction is too I mean if you think about it you know we're oh yeah no it's I mean, same thing I watch, right. Uh, Mike Mike Bender's Instagram feed, and I'm like, wow, that guy really influenced me, really a lot. Sure. <laughs> well, and, and that's and very. I just do so many things that I learned from him because they work so quickly. Well, exactly, and that, that's but that's uh, that's the way life is. I mean, nothing really is all that new. Um, it's very difficult to invent something, and it's so much easier to take something that's been proven. And apply it, and, and apply it in your own creative way, and that's what really good golf instructors do, and that's what really good musicians do, and that's why I think we have that common ground between those two uh, uh, two interests that we have, music and golf. You know. So. Yeah, well, it was you know when we were hanging out at Coach Camp, uh, what was that? A couple years ago, mm-hmm. and you had a you had one of your axes with you. That was awesome. Yeah, bringing a guitar with me was uh, was kind of a, a new thing for me to take a guitar on a, a golf trip. But uh, I've gotten to where, yeah, I like to have a guitar around and no, at no, night. That was, that was, that was, yeah, no, no, that was awesome. Uh, I, mean, I just got back into play noodling on the guitar. I mean, that's that's it's a fun time for for guys like us. It is. That's a fun time. <laughs> You know, and what would be, and, and I guess this brings me to a question of what would be your ideal getaway? What does Sean Kennedy like to do when he gets a little time off? And what's your ideal getaway? Describe that for our listeners. Well, I, I mean, you know, I would say, who am I getting away with? Am I just getting away by myself or am I well, going I, with my significant other and see, we're traveling together or see that's up you know, to are you we taking the dogs with us. What are we doing? There's a lot of, opportunities. A lot of I mean, I still like to play tournament golf. Yeah. So that's a nice getaway for me to yep. go test my game and, you know, see if it's any good. I still, well, I like to do that. And it's nice too, because I can take clients and do pro-am stuff. So I get the chance to compete a little bit, and I can kind of watch them in a competitive nature too, and that's yeah. a huge benefit. So I'm kind of two birds with one stone. Yeah. Um, obviously, music. You know, going to like, uh, we did this like Dinosaur Junior cruise. So yeah. these bands from, you know, a certain era. They kind of, uh, it was yeah, it was Dinosaur Junior, Sebado. Uh, a couple others, but it, you know, it was great. A bunch of <laughs> white, pasty, middle-aged people on this cruise ship. It was hilarious. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you know, I definitely, I definitely have a type, and I was like, you know, surrounded by three hundred of them. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. Well, listen, for our listeners, I want to make one point. Uh, you mentioned going out and playing competitively, and you like to see if your game still holds up. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let the listeners know your game holds up. I've seen it in in person firsthand i got to witness your game and maybe not for 18 holes but i did see you hit um 
a couple of really impressive shots. We were in um, we were in Florida. Uh, we were playing at uh, TPC Sawgrass. <laughs> we were that's right. We were watching Will McGirt. Brett Dog, uh, Brett Dog, our friend Kevin Brett. Brett uh, we Number can't go without mentioning. Hey, <laughs> you got to shout that yeah in the in South Carolina. Number yep. seven teacher. Number seven right? teacher in South Carolina. He, he 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 made the claim not more than not more than a month ago. That he was like number fifty in Spartanburg County, right, right. But now he's number seven in South Carolina. Way to go, Brett Dog! Congratulations to our good friend Kevin for making the list. I knew he couldn't keep his talent secret for very long. You know, for, get out there. He tries hard, doesn't he? He doesn't does he try, try hard. hard. He tries, like, tries he hard. Tries super hard. Back to my point. You you hit a shot on seventeen, the the famed par three at TPC Sawgrass, the Island Green. We get up there, and it's just about dark. We get to play that hole right before coming in, and you take a borrowed golf club and somebody else's golf ball. You haven't hit a shot all day, and you hit the green from about 153 at the back tee location there. I was like, oh, man has some game. Then we go to 18, and you stripe a driver in an iron up on the green almost at sunset, uh, again, with borrowed golf clubs into the wind. I was like, the man has game. So listen, there's no question about it, Mr. Humble. You have game. <laughs> so. well, I'm going to find out next week. I get to go to the glorious Stream Song Resort ah. with uh, four of my clients for a nice little pro-am event put on by pro-am events. Well, there you go. So there's your, your perfect getaway. You get to go play some golf with your clients and test your game. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, again, that's fun for me, but it, you know, my wife – uh, she doesn't like to go on those kind of trips, and I don't blame her. So yeah. we find we find things that she like that we like to do together. That's good. And so those are other perfect getaways, and that that's like no golf. Right, right. She's not a golfer. Uh, I mean, she uh, she she could be. You know, she can move the ball forward pretty easily. Um, she's definitely a perfectionist, and I don't think being a perfectionist in golf is a great long-term marriage yeah it's tough on a perfectionist yeah but she does she does some amazing work i think you guys are uh, a very uh pro animal don't you do a lot of of cat and dog work big into animal rescue and you know she's just big on education um for a lot of stuff you know so um like we can get a little preachy at times especially like if we um like her her new thing is kind of uh, the health and beauty industry in the United States is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, so like uh, say you're looking at lotion and it has the word fragrance on it. Right. Well, under that word, right. It's mysterious. So it's like a trade secret. So they don't really have to list the ingredients. Right. So there could be like a lot of maybe chemical compounds and molecules that aren't necessarily the best for you to be rubbing on your skin. Sure per se. So yeah, she's, um, gone big into that. And she, I mean, she's been to Washington DC, the lobby a couple of times for oh, wow. like better regulation. Well, there's just a lot of correlation between disease increase and childbirth abnormalities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Totally Correlative agree. evidence. I'm not saying there's any pr- proof, but yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, she has her passion and, uh, I'm on board with it. Those are great causes. Me. Well, and, you know, I'm outside. We're outside all the time. So we're 
bathing mm-hmm. in sunscreen, aren't we? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and it's always a question of what to put on us, you know, and I, I certainly well, think mineral sometimes. mineral-based, that's all. I'm, I'm just going to say, if you get sunscreen, just make sure it's mineral-based. Mineral-based. Mineral-based sunscreen. That's yeah. a great place to start. I use this product. It's Beauty Counter is the sunscreen that I use. Okay. Mineral-based, fantastic. Um, but there's more than one company that makes a good mineral-based okay. sunscreen. And you Pass can get it. It's called the Health. It's called the Healthy Living app. So listeners, you can get it, download it. It's for free. And basically, if you scan the barcode of a product, it'll right. help you identify stuff that's in there that wow. maybe you don't want. Wow, that's fantastic. So it's called the Healthy Living app. And listeners yes. need to get that. That is yeah, a great yeah, piece of uh, information. It's, it's a nice thing to be armed with. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listeners, I am so excited to have had this opportunity this morning to spend with my good friend, Sean Kennedy. And and on that note, I think, Sean, we're going to have to have you back, man, because we could talk for hours about things, and we're going to definitely do that very soon. I know wintertime is upon us. Uh, I'm going to recommend that you get in touch with Sean Kennedy, listeners, and uh, find out more about this incredibly talented, gifted, humble coach and see if there's ways to get up a a conversation going with him. I know you're on the social media a lot, so reach out to him. Sean, tell us about all your social media contacts so the listeners can find you. Uh, I, uh, so I'm, you know, old. So Twitter's still my favorite social media platform trying to be eloquent and entertaining in 140 characters is a, is a fun challenge. Sure. Um, Shawnee pure PGA. S-H-A-W-N-E-E-P-U-R-E-P-G-A. And then on Instagram, where I don't post very much, it's uh, Shawnee Pure. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, My man, Sean Kennedy, coming to us live this morning. I really thank you for your time, my friend. I look forward to the next time you and I get to spend a little quality time together. uh, Yeah, A.B., it's, it's it's always fun to talk to you. Uh, more fun to be hanging out with you in person and, you know, driving up and down interstate 95 and yeah. are you doing that again in January? Well, I haven't made my mind up yet for sure. Right. I know I usually do. This may be with the first years in, in a long time that I don't go to the show. It's just a lot going on and, um, uh, going to see if I can maybe save a dollar and stay here and coach some golfers, but uh, we'll see. You never know what the last right, brother. I hope to see you soon, my friend, and we'll share some more time and some more information for our listeners. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I look forward to, uh, so read that book, right? Yep. The Motivation Game, and then we'll, uh, next time we chat, we'll talk about it. Sounds good, buddy. Look forward to it. If I don't see you before, have a merry holiday and a happy Christmas, and we'll see you soon, my friend. (laughs) All right. Cheers, A.B. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's our friend, Sean Kennedy. Listeners, I know everybody needs to get in touch with him and learn more about how to move your body better and how to play the game of golf better and just enjoy life. He is a fascinating dude and uh, worth spending time with. That's our show for today. Again, I'm your host, Alan Burton, from The Forecast. Thanks again, listeners. Find us on the Mesh Podcast Network. And until next time, keep your ball in the fairway and uh, make lots of birdies. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. been listening to The Mesh. 
an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.